Peter, you know we did the first looks for Edge of the Earth? Yes. I just realised we forgot to do something when we did them. Oh, really? You sure? Yeah, yeah. We only did the XP for neutral. And I was just looking in my box and I found that there is actually some XP cards in Edge of the Earth. Seems like an absolutely terrible oversight, Frank. Yeah, huge oversight. So I think we should probably do some second looks. Yeah. And maybe look at some of these cards. For a second and time. Maybe we should, yeah. Just, do you want to, should we just pick at random what we do? Yes. That sounds like a great idea, Frank. I'm, you know what? For this occasion, I have an enormous prize wheel <laughs> mark, okay. marked up already with all of the Arkham factions on it. Oh, brilliant. Cool. So, sh- shall I give that a spin? Yeah, give that a spin. What's it landed on? It seems to have landed on uh, Mystic, which is quite exciting. Well, I tell you what as well, Peter, I think we should bring in a guest to help us with this. And I have a spinny wheel here with some different guests' names on. So shall I give that a spin? That was, uh, uh, shows a degree more foresight than when we were recording the first looks and missed out all the episodes. It does indeed. So yeah, no, please give it a spin, Frank. It's Brian David Sandberg. Incredible. Is he available? Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> Let's find out. Hello, you're listening to Drawn to the Flame, a podcast for fans of Arkham Horror, the card game. We're sometimes fortnightly, we're sometimes monthly. I'm your host, Frank, and today I'm joined by... It's me, Peter. Hello, Frank. Hi, Peter. How are you doing? Doing really good. Doing really good indeed. Uh, and luckily, today I'm joined by. Oh, it's me, Brian. Hello, hey, Frank. Yay. Peter. <laughs> yeah. Hi, Brian. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Welcome to Drawn to the Flame. Thank you. I'm excited to be here and to offer a commentary on some mystic cards so lucky that you like mystic cards and that that was the randomly selected faction yes it was very it was very convenient for me to get my favorite faction to talk about with you two that is incredible yeah (laughs) that's really good so listener we're going to do what we're affectionately calling second looks and we've brought a guest on the show with us to help us look at these cards and we're going to look at the mystic cards of edge of the earth But we're also going to look at some uh, multi-class cards, because why not? But I suppose before we get going, you know, Brian, you're new to the cast, so people uh, might not know who you are or why you're here. And so maybe worth just telling people briefly what you do around Arkham Horror. Mm -hmm. So I have been playing Arkham Horror since day one. I started a blog called Right of Seeking, where I post a bunch of just comedy articles or strategy articles Um, I've kind of taken a break from the blog more recently because I am now uh, publishing my first science fiction novel, and I'm also um, performing stand-up comedy. So hopefully we will be able to get the blog up again in the future. But yeah, that's what I'm I'm doing uh, right now. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's a well-known and much-loved blog. I think when I got into the game, I didn't realize there was a niche for comedy Arkham content as well, but it seems to be really popular. Yeah, thank you. 
And what about mystics? Why are they your favorite faction? I love mystics because they're just super magical. And I think the flavor around that is is really fun. I played Eldritch Horror long before um, Arkham Horror was a thing. I mean, Arkham Horror, Mm. the card game, was a thing. And I really loved being able to cast spells and do magical stuff over there. So it just uh, made sense that when the card game came out, that I would continue doing that. So that is what I Mm. have done. So for you, it's all about being magical, (laughs) super magical, in fact. And, And that kind of, I guess... The sort of the power fantasy that comes with being a magician in Arkham. Yes, and I also like that the uh, the way that you optimize a mystic is different from the way that you optimize anyone else. And I know mm. that some people think that just building up your will and just replacing all of your stats with seven eight will is kind of boring. But I don't think it's boring. I think it's hilarious. So that is why <laughs> okay. I like mystic. <laughs> Good to know. Should we dive in? Peter, do you want to ask anything else before we dive in? No, I'm just excited to look at the cards, really. Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> so the first card that we have is called Close the Circle. It is an arcane slot asset, trait, ritual, and synergy. Two cost, one XP, with a combat and agility icon, and it says... Uses one charge for each class among cards you control, including this one, with a free trigger to spend one charge and exhaust close the circle. Take a basic action. For each skill test performed during that action, you may use your willpower instead of the skill indicated for that action. Wow. I love that straight out of the gates we're hitting synergy. (laughs) Just to get complicated. Just as a general comment, I don't have that much experience with the uh, the mystic cards in mm-hmm. the set. I've played with a couple of them, but not many of them. But this is one that's really intrigued me to, to try out. Like a, a mini one-shot or several-shot mind's eye, right? Mm-hmm. Sort of similar, but yeah. not that similar, <laughs> I guess. So I find that arcane slot assets tend to allow mystics to do one thing better than they would be able to otherwise. So for example, Shriveling is the combat one, You got, and there's a bunch of combat ones, but Miss is also like an agility evade thing. I find that Close the Circle is the action version of all of those things. Mm-hmm. But whether or not that is actually good, whether or not that's something you actually want, is a little bit up in the air to me, because this only lets you take basic actions... And mystics don't really like basic actions, I find. (laughs) It's no good with, like, a uh, take a basic action. So you can't take, like, a fight action on on an asset, can you? No. 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 Just like a basic. Exactly like Brian says, then you can't use any of your other cool mystic stuff that you've spent a long time gathering and playing. It does let you use your willpower instead for something like a an investigate or an evade which is which is good but the thing is that pretty much every mystic asset is already letting you do that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. those assets also give you an additional bonus to doing that if you used it with that one instead of with close the circle so close the circle is really good in the sense that it gives you additional actions and anyone who has played a rogue knows that actions are are amazing 
but I just don't think that the actions that you get out of this for a mystic are that powerful. You also need to get a lot of charges on this to make it worth it. So, uh, for example, if you were to just spend one action to play this, and then you get, you use uh, the one charge on it to get another action, you've just traded one action for one action. So you don't really mm-hmm. get anything out of this unless you have a bunch of charges on it, which means that you need a lot of other things out, which means that you're probably mm-hmm. playing this late in the game. At which point you're not getting very many actions out of it because it exhausts. Yeah, I can see that for sure. It almost feels like if you play something like a sword cane, which gives you a one-shot fight or evade, which is similar to what this would do, you can keep on using it for that willpower boost. And it also doesn't take up an arcane slot. And I Mm. feel like a synergy mystic especially is going to be wanting to put stuff in arcane slots like if you're playing synergy mystic i feel like you really want the uh two class uh mystic spells so Mm -hmm. like blur and divination and that whole cycle um which all take up arcane slots themselves i do almost like it though as like a while i accept what you say brian like as a more flexible like blinding light so blinding right. light will just give you like one evade, um, but it does some damage into the bargain. This almost like feels like you could just play it and then use it straight away, and then mm-hmm. that's it. You just treat it almost like a one shot event to give you a, a boost to your your skill. Yeah, mm, that's interesting. Yeah, I think that this could be really good for Akachi because Akachi will yeah, get that's where I've seen this yet. played yeah. two charges and she has a pretty broad access to other classes cards yeah, yeah so it's not out of the question for her to be able to push the number of charges up high so even if with she, one okay, class Akachi's then got three charges all yes, of a sudden right yes yeah i just feel like you need to trigger this a few times before it actually pays off for you because you're putting in two resources, the card itself and the action to play it. So that's not nothing. So I would hope that if it's when it's triggering that you get a sufficient number of actions to make your investment worth it. Yeah, that loops me back to what Peter and I said originally when we looked at Call for Backup, the first synergy card we looked at, which was my sort of starting point was two synergy of two is okay, and synergy of three or higher is probably where you want to be. Mm-hmm. And I think this is exactly an example of that. Paying two cost and an XP and an action for three actions feels good. Yeah. Or more than that is even better. But anything below that, I'm a bit iffy about it. Yeah. I think where I really like it is that it is only two cost. And at a pinch, it does combine your evasion spell, your combat spell, and your clue spell for a short period of time into one card Mm -hmm. and of course because it's in mystic they do have things that add charges so it's a card that you could kind of give more charges to that would turn into actions as long as you can do that in an efficient way yeah strangely i would say that probably the best use of this basic action is if you're moving Mm. because getting free move actions is kind of rare Mm. Particularly in Mystic, right? Your mm-hmm. your alternative is what astral travel, yeah, or something baked in, you know, baked into Mists of Rillière or something like that. Yeah, if you stop using your actions to move because you're using close the circle to move, you then have more actions to use on those spells 
that give you no compression and all of that kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. Let's move on. So we have a two-cost event at 1xp with uh, two willpower icons, and it is Winds of Power. It has the spirit trait and says, place two charges on an asset you control, and it has a reaction ability. After you draw Winds of Power during your turn, play it. May Oya's breath mm. guide us all. It's pretty it's straightforward, like a cryptic right? writings, but for mystic and mm-hmm. for charges. Is it called cryptic writings? The seeker card that you can play uh, if you draw it during your turn. I can I can picture it. I feel like Cryptic Writings is right. That I just should feels know like this because generic... I play so much Harvey. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Cryptic something yes, or other. Yes, it is. Yeah. It is Cryptic Writings. So this comes in the box that we have Norman, and of course Norman, if this is sitting on the top of his deck, he can see that he he can draw it in his turn and get the free play of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's and nice. that's where my head went to with this, really. Um, and it's one XP, so it's not taking up his zero XP Mystic slots. There is, of course, already a card which adds charges to cards, mm. which is Recharge, appropriately mm-hmm. enough. And I feel like no one plays Recharge. Yeah. Right? Recharge always feels a little iffy, because you could just lose the asset lose entirely. Lose the asset, exactly. And if you've got your you know, Right of Seeking level 5 in play, or... So right seeking level five or four. Anyway, the big the big expensive right seeking. Mm. You mm. don't want to risk that on drawing a symbol. Right. Yeah. Right. So yeah, I feel like no one plays recharge, but I think that's probably because recharge is bad, not because adding charges is bad. Right. How valuable a charge is depends entirely on what your board is. So sometimes this could be really good, and it could be like very very swingy for you. Sometimes it usefulness is going to be way more limited because you don't have good arcane slot assets out or but actually this is um it just says an asset so this can go on anything that takes charges so it could even go Mm -hmm. on i think the clock yeah being able to use this on red clock could be very interesting it can actually go on anything full stop that doesn't take a different type of but that's pointless you must most of the time unless you've got um something that's moving charges around Mm mm-hmm I will say a very interesting candidate for this card is Safina. Because if Safina pulls it out from underneath her, that is considered drawing it. And Oh yeah, of course, yeah. Oh, yeah, nice. It will go on her turn. She can play it. That's really nice. I was actually thinking as well of Luke. He has access to Seeker, so he has a lot of draw if he wants it. Mm-hmm. And he has a gate box which has charges on it. Yeah. Oh yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I quite like that. I think the comparison with recharge part of why I wouldn't play Recharge is that it's an action. And like an, an iffy action is not an action I like to take. And the fact that this has the possibility baked into it that you don't spend an action, because, you know, it just it just plays immediately, I really like. I think that's really, really good. And if you draw it in upkeep and you decide I'm not going to spend an action to place two charges, you at least get the plus two willpower. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's that's all right, I guess. Yeah, any card in Mystic that could potentially dud out, but if uh, but has two will icons, that really mm. saves it from just taking up hand space forever. Yeah, yeah, it's the same with Uncage the Soul, isn't it? Yes. You've already played all your spells, but then you draw Uncage, so it's still two will power. Mm-hmm. For sure. I'm going to move us on. Our next card is also level one. It's a zero cost event, Foresight. Two intellect icons, augury traded, fast, 
play when an investigator at your location would draw a card from their deck or from the encounter deck. Name a card. If the drawn card is the named card, that investigator may either choose one, cancel that card's effect and discard it, or immediately play that card at minus two cost. Wow. Yeah, I mean, obviously this seems pretty good with Norman off the bat, right? For mm-hmm. a free play at minus two cost. Yeah. Is it worth the slot of having it in your hand? Because then you've got to draw it as Norman before you use it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Norman can play the card off the top of his deck at minus one cost already. True, true. So you're adding a card to your deck for an XP to just turn that that uh, one minus one into a minus two, which is not great, yeah. I guess. However, if you have Alyssa Graham in play, you can just check anyone's cards. So mm-hmm. you could always combine that with Foresight. I think for the encounter deck, this is basically the best cancel in the game, except that you have to know what you're canceling in advance, um, which yeah. is often very difficult, but there are specific decks where that is not difficult. So for example, a Gloria deck, you should generally know the order of the um, of the encounter deck. That's kind of Gloria's whole thing. I would also argue that there are some points where you don't even really have to know specifically what card you're canceling. You just have to know what card loses you the game. So for example, if I am in a really tense, almost running out of time scenario where I'm like, we can win if, if I don't draw ancient evils, just say ancient evils. You don't have to know for sure that it's going to be ancient evils. You just have to know that if it does come up, it won't happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I like that. Same with any damage or horror treacheries. If you only got one hand, uh, one health or one sanity left, yes, you, just, you know what's going to kill you. You name it. Yeah, and of course, if you're playing, it, it then works like Brian says as a cancellation, sort of a cancellation for everyone at your location, which is which is nice for one XP. Because mm-hmm. even Ward mm-hmm. Protection level two is is two XP, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I can have like I'll have a ward ready if I draw it, and then I've got foresight ready for if someone else draws it. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And this cancels the card's entire effect, so it would cancel surge. Yeah, so even as if it's well, an enemy. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this can cancel enemies. Yeah. Yeah, and it, yeah, yeah. Like you say, Frank, it'll cancel surge as well. It can also cancel yeah, it's perils. It's not just cancel the revelation. Yeah. Yeah, cancel perils. Yeah. It can cancel perils because you would play it before the card even like exists. So you would mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that's how that just, works. Uh, does peril not say something like can't be cancelled or something like that? It says that other players can't commit cards to the tests or play cards, which is why you can't play a ward of protection afterwards. But this would have been played before. before yeah, you play it when they would draw the card. Yeah, so, so I don't know. I it. think it cancels. Yeah. <laughs> we, can, we can edit this out. <laughs> you, heard it. you heard it here first. Brian declares it works. Brian thinks yeah. it like cancels perils. <laughs> no, no, I think we're yeah. fine. Because I think... I, 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 I suspected there was something on perils about not cancelling it. Um, but there isn't. I just checked. Okay. So yeah, you're all good. Cool. You're all good. Of course, Gloria also fits well with this. Yes. Because Gloria's yeah, yeah. probably playing cards that fiddle with the encounter deck. And, cheeky pick... Uh, Scroll of Secrets, Seeker, mm-hmm. level 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that gets it you like three cards exactly. Yeah. But 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 with that you can uh, let me think. So you can look at the encounter deck. You can bottom a card. You can put a yeah. card on the top, and yeah. then you discard one. Is that right? I think I think that's right. But it but it doubles up with this because the card you put on the top, you know what it is. So then you can cancel it with foresight. Mm-hmm. So you can put the worst card on the top, discard another card, and then another card goes on the bottom of the deck. So yeah, I th- that that's kind of cool. You're nearly right, Peter, but it's you can discard one, you can draw one, and yep. then the rest go on either the draw top one. or the bottom in any to- order. Right. Okay. 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 So actually, it works. It works well either as a player as for the player card ability or for the um, the encounter card ability, mm-hmm. which I think yeah. is quite cool. Yeah. I think just as a sort of final point here, anything around manipulating the order of people's decks, you know, we've had it since the core set with scrying. But yeah. generally speaking, that has been considered slow yeah. and and not worth the time. So any cards we see that give you some kind of a boost for doing it, whether that's cancelling anything or giving you a resource discount. And I love that it's packed into one card, by the way. So depending on where you are in a scenario and how much pressure you're under, you might be needing to use this to help a Guardian get that weapon down that they really desperately need or whatever it is. But yeah, I think that's really nice as a a boost to any kind of scrying stuff basically let's move on yeah okay so we have occult theory a skill card traits are practiced and expert when xp uh, while occult theory is in your hand or committed to a skill test it gains willpower icons equal to your intellect and intellect icons equal to your willpower We all Do you want to read silence. us the flavor? Yeah, oh. That's what we're waiting for. Uh, the, yeah. When I was like, <laughs> what is, what, no one's saying anything. Okay. Yeah. When knowledge is lacking, belief must suffice. Now, I said off air to Brian that we announced two cards that were very similar to these, mm-hmm. uh, which were the Guardian and Seeker versions of these new, um, I don't know what we call these kind of skills. They add some of your values to other values. So we don't need to talk about this one in a lot of detail, I don't think. I think strikingly it's doing, it's the mystic one and it's the Norman skills. Yes. So, you know, it sort of feeds into what Norman's all about, his four willpower and his five intellect. It's it's potentially a nice, like, clutch, get a clue card in a a low intellect um, mystic, I guess. Yeah. But then again, you've probably got better options for that anyway. I think mm-hmm. sure, sure there's one in the core set which gets you clues, yeah. is there? Yeah. Do you have to draw an encounter card? No, that doesn't sound really good to me. No, that no. sounds bad. Yeah. Brian, anything you want to add my, about this? <laughs> my feeling around this card is that mystics are typically not hurting to push their skill value on their willpower. That's mm-hmm. pretty much not a problem mystic decks typically have. It does give you a lot of a lot of intellect icons. However, most not all, but most mystics don't really care about having a card that gives them a ton of intellect icons. I think that what you're typically looking for in a mystic skill card is utility, and this card doesn't have any utility, and mm. that's kind of my issue with it. Like, I would rather just run Guts. I was just about to say, like, if your intellect is two or three, you're getting two or three willpower icons with this card, and you're not getting any draw, 
and why not run guts zero or guts two and get lots of draw yeah so yeah yeah i'd agree with that Mm -hmm. i mean i suppose like peter said a clutch clue just you know you haven't found your um sixth sense or something like that like maybe you're using it for that maybe you're using it for those clutch intellect tests that you can't pass any other way like rewind to dunwich and where doom awaits Mm -hmm. you have you desperately need to investigate the base of the hill this would be a a nice one xp solution for that but yeah otherwise i think it's um these cards that combine skills or use skills to boost part of where they're challenging is if they're combining a skill that that faction broadly speaking might not be that interested in using so when we had defensive stance one of the things that was tricky about that is that most guardians either have high combat or and and aren't really that worried about agility yeah so it's sort of a weird mix and i think for mystic if you're so focused on willpower, you kind of don't care about other stats. Mm. Uh, happy to be proved wrong, of course, but uh, yeah. The most fun application for this card is to use it on Read the Signs, and then you just get double your skill value. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which is hilarious to me. Not yes. very good, not very useful, because <laughs> you're going to pass anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But still already funny. Gone pretty hard. <laughs> Okay, next we have Parallel Fates. This is a zero-cost, two-XP card with uh, a willpower and a wild pip, and it has the augury trait. Look at the top six cards of an investigator's deck or the encounter deck. You may either return them to the top of that deck in any order, or shuffle them into that deck. If you looked at an investigator's deck, that investigator may draw one card. If I said that I could tell you when you were going to die, would you want to know? The, the art is like the zoomed out version of Dark Prophecy. <laughs> yes, yeah. So there is a level zero version of this card. It's zero cost as well. It doesn't have the willpower icon. It lets you look at the top four cards. Mm-hmm. And it's encounter deck only. So look at the top four cards of the encounter deck. And you then have to reveal a token. <laughs> and if it's a, a special symbol, you have to shuffle those cards back into the deck. Otherwise, you get to stack the deck in an order of your choice. So for 2 XP, we've gained an icon. You can look at two more cards. You can look at an investigator deck, and then you can stack them or shuffle them and give someone a card draw. And there's no risk involved that the ordering just completely whiffs because you draw a special token. It's changed quite a lot for 2 XP. I mean, it's got a lot better for 2 XP, right? It's gotten a lot Mm -hmm. better. My issue with the level 0 version is that sometimes it just failed. And... um, Doing an action that just fails in Arkham is bad, especially when you put that card in your deck for a purpose. Mm -hmm. This card, the upgraded version, doesn't have that problem, and it does it better. Some people said with the level 0 version that sometimes you want to shuffle everything. Well, Mm -hmm. this time you can just choose to shuffle everything, so it's not random, and you don't have to commit other things to forcing that outcome. Yeah. Top six cards of the encounter deck is fantastic. If you are doing solo, that's the next six rounds of uh, Mythos. If you are doing like two-player, that's three rounds of Mythos and so on. The top four from the level zero version was, I guess, significantly... It feels significantly less to me. The two Mm -hmm. extra cards really make a difference to me. Then when we turn it towards investigators as well... Looking at six cards is the same as a no stone unturned. 
So you've got that same ability there baked in. It's like, have parallel fates, but it's a slightly better version. And it, oh, by the way, it also has no stone unturned in the card in case you needed that instead. So again, like Foresight, what I really like here is it's it feel like you're getting a lot of bang for your buck for this card mm-hmm. just because it gives you so many options. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, you know, you're going into the second half of the scenario and you're desperate to find a particular card in someone's deck. This will help you. I, I quite like the, uh, the, the the comparison to No Stone Unturned. I think that's quite nice. A zero cost mm. No Stone Unturned, even if it costs 2 XP. Although, weirdly, I, I noticed this on... What was the other one we just looked at? Foresight. Winds of Power. Oh, no, it was because we were talking about other stuff. Um, it's, it's Look At, not Search. So... It has ant synergy if you're running any kind of um, research cards, which is okay, one of the nice yeah, things about No Stone Unturned. Just that little bit of extra efficiency there. But yeah. no, I, 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 yeah. I like that comparison, actually. I think uh, just yeah. like, boom, here's you find a card in the, in the top six cards of your deck. I think that's quite nice. I like how it combines actually nicely with Foresight and with Winds of Power. Mm-hmm. So if, if I play Parallel Fates on my own deck and I see Winds of Power in the top six, I can plan to have Winds of Power be the card I draw, which means I immediately get to play it. Yeah. So that's that's doubled up nicely. And I could also put that the card below that is one that I want to play at minus two cost with Foresight. So I could immediately draw Winds of Power and then say name Shriveling and second action draw a card and it's a Shriveling and I get a Shriveling into play as well. Obviously, in this example, I have been adding the charges to something else with Winds of Power. But do you know what I mean? Like you can you can set up nice little sort of magical combos with yourself without, I don't think, with much effort. <laughs> because it feels like Parallel Fates is good enough on its own. I'll tell you what, there's a nice then, mini, yeah. mini combo with. Go on. Yottle to discard your weaknesses. Yeah. Because he's got a oh, really trigger right. to discard the, the, yes. discard the cop top card of your deck. deck. Yes, that makes sense. Yeah. That's really nice. That's yeah. kind of nice. And, and I like knowing where the, the weaknesses are as well. So mm-hmm. knowing exactly where they are. My problem with all of these cards is remembering as soon <laughs> as I put the them order. down. <laughs> yeah. Like it's all very well and good for Brian to say, oh yeah, that's the next six turns sorted. As soon as I put those cards back on the deck, I've already forgotten what order they're in. Yeah. So then you're like, what was the card called? Ancient? No, it was called Rotting Evil. No, no, I can't remember. Locked? Write locked it, Evils? Write no. it down in your campaign log. Yeah. <laughs> Keeping these little That's notes. Right. Remember, Winds of Power is the next card. <laughs> the next card is Astronomical Atlas. This is a 3 cost, 3 XP asset. It has 1 willpower and 2 intellect icons. Item and Tome traded, and it takes up a hand slot. It has two free triggered abilities. Free trigger, Exhaust Astronomical Atlas. Look at the top card of your deck. If it is not a weakness, attach it face down to Astronomical Atlas. Max five cards attached. Free trigger, Commit a card attached to Astronomical Atlas to an eligible skill test. If that test succeeds... Add that card to your hand instead of discarding it. Limit once per test. Uh, can I just say, first of all, the name Astron- Astronomical Atlas makes it sound like it's just really big. <laughs> <laughs> it's like taking up the whole table. <laughs> I feel like this is quite nice. I don't know, maybe it could be too fiddly in practice, but like it feels a little bit like practice makes perfect, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. is a good card, I think. 
So we I can heard, all, all yeah. agree. Perhaps make perfect. Yeah. It's a good card. Yeah. But getting double use out of skills is nice. And this isn't even skills, right? Commit a card anything. attached to it. Yeah, you can attach anything to it except for a weakness. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of this card. I think that a lot of Mystic cards tend to have good icons. A lot of them are willpower icons, often double willpower icons. So being able to make use of those double willpower icons and still get the card later to play it normally, um, I think is great. Mm-hmm. I will say you kind of have to get the Atlas out fairly early or early enough to make it really good um, because you're only going to be adding at most one card to it per round. And you would probably want to get a couple of options for what to commit off of it to make it as powerful as possible. But once you get it going, I think it could be really, really good. It's it's very similar to just drawing an additional card every round if you are attaching it regularly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought because it goes into your hand once you've once you've attached it. Mm-hmm. So even if there's a delay before you draw it, you've drawn the card that you've attached, presuming that you get the, the skill test successful, which would be the idea anyway, right? I like your point, Brian, as well about what kind of icons Mystic cards have. And what I'm remembering as well is that the lower level Mystic spells often don't have willpower icons. So like Shriveling has a combat icon, Right of Seeking has an intellect icon. But when you upgrade them, one of the things you get with the upgrade is a single willpower icon. And I've sometimes thought like, yeah, that's all right, but I'm never going to be committing shriveling for one willpower icon. Enter Astronomical Atlas, where now I might want to commit it for a willpower icon, because I'm certainly not going to be trying to take a combat test and commit the shriveling out from under Astronomical Atlas. So I think it's mm-hmm. really nice that as a will as a mystic gets higher XP, they get more willpower icons in their deck, which makes them have more targets for the kinds of tests they like to take with the Atlas, which I think is really good. The risk, of course, is that it just gates you drawing a particular card if it's got only an icon on it that you can't commit to a test. So I I think you can filter that out in the the deck building stage, Um, but it's probably something to bear in mind. Like like you say, if, if if you've got like a level zero shriveling in your deck, and you're looking at every card with Astronomical Atlas, once it goes on there, you've got to pass a fight test to be able to draw it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I will say, though, that it doesn't have to be your test. It just has to be an eligible skill test. So it could be, if you're doing multiplayer, somebody else's um, skill test would work. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, 100%. I just love it. (laughs) Then you've got the idea of, like, this mystic, like... I desperately need to punch this thing <laughs> before I can. I can, and then the oh. fight is there. I'll, you know, I'll do it for you. No, no, that's no, when you pull it. out the spectral <laughs> razor. Well, exactly. This is. Ex- I was actually thinking just this, Brian. Mm-hmm. All of those. So you know, if this is, I was looking back at the cards we'd already looked at, and like foresight is double book. So yeah, with a read the signs, suddenly that's great because then you're you're boosting up your skill and also then you're drawing back the cards with the double book icons yeah no i totally agree i think they're really good picks the power of that dream eaters mystic event suite just grows and grows like there's so many odd uses for i actually do want to take a combat test that i add my willpower to well exactly and i i'm i've always been a proponent of those cards as you know frank 
Mm-hmm. And if yeah. you run them alongside Mind's Eye, and now close the circle as well, yeah. presuming you can get maybe one other um, faction card in play, close the circle becomes not unattractive to play alongside that spell suite. That's the kind of filling in the gaps of things that you're not doing with the spells, I guess. Yeah. So the other thing I'd say is that the Atlas was announced very early on, you know, before Edge of the Earth came out. So people have been playing with it. And anecdotally, people have been saying it's wild. So <laughs> I like, you know, I like the sound of it as well. And Norman, obviously, because you see what card you're going to put under before you do that. So one of the drawbacks of the card, like, oh, what if I put my second copy of Shriveling underneath and then I'm really stuck? That will never happen in Norman because you'll always know what you're going to put underneath it. I think that's really cool. You can be really selective then. So yeah, I like it. I think it's really good. Mm-hmm. It reminds it's a bit like a, an inverse crystallizer of dreams, isn't it? That's yeah. when you play an event, you then get the icons later. And this is you get the icons yes. first and then you get the event. We've organized this perfectly because Brian gets to read us healing words. Healing words. Okay. <laughs> healing words, asset, and arcane slot. It is a spell. Cost two resources and three XP with two will icons. Uses four charges. For an action, spend one charge, heal two damage from among investigators at your location. You don't necessarily trust the occult words, but you have no other choice. Peter, do you want to read us our next card? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, that's such an obvious joke. (laughs) Uh, It's not the most inspiring of cards, is it, healing words? Um, No. No. It's a healing card. <laughs> there are already healing cards in Mystic. My my issue with it is that even when it does the maximum amount of what it's supposed to do, it's still not interesting. Mm. So, yeah. There are other healing spells that I think are even more interesting than this. So That, that was ex- my exact criticism of... What's it called? Meditative trance? Meditative trance, that's it. It takes a lot of effort to make it even okay. Mm-hmm. And I think this, yeah, it's it's a lot of it's it's a lot of actions and a lot of XP to do something which is pretty mediocre mm-hmm. in a slot that's very competitive for the mm-hmm. faction it's in. Yeah, so at least it has two willpower icons, I guess. Yeah, I mean, the only other thing I can say is at least it's better than Healing Word Zero, but that's not a reason to spend three XP on a card. So, yeah. It's it's also it's this weird thing of that it's not in itself bad. It's just competing with other healing that does this much better. Like I don't mind the idea of playing four player and someone plays healing words and heals a bunch of damage off investigators as a group. Like that's fine. It's just if that's something that someone's going to do, there's probably better ways of them doing it. Mm-hmm. The only thing I'd say, which is what I've said with all the healing in Edge of the Earth, is the the basic weaknesses we've seen. So having ways to heal is useful. And also we've now seen Maxine's stream about the partners in the campaign. Yeah. And they keep their damage and horror from one scenario to the next. Yeah. So finding finding ways of keeping them healthy might mean us as investigators taking more damage and horror. Yeah. Which means healing stock goes up. And there is the new um, injury slash yeah was yeah the new basic weaknesses and, I yeah what the other one's yeah. called but if if you've all drawn those you know you could heal two of them at once with this yeah 
yeah, clear two weaknesses in one action is pretty cool. Yeah, in that yeah. in that exact scenario, this card is okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe not worth the three XP. Yeah, do you want to lead us on to the next card, Peter? Absolutely, yes. So this is a uh, this is grounded. It is a zero cost three XP asset. Uh, it has two wild pips, which is doubly wild, uh, and it has talent and composure. Fast limit one composure in play. You get plus one skill value during skill tests on spell cards. Non-direct damage and horror must be assigned to Grounded before it can be assigned to your Investigator card. And it has a free action. During a skill test on a spell card, spend one resource. You get plus one skill value for this test. And it is two health and two sanity. So the change here, it's gone from one cost to zero and from one XP to three. It's got two wild icons instead of one willpower icon. And it's gained this two um, health which is pretty good. But it's also gained that second line. You get plus one skill value during skill tests. You get a static plus one for skills um, on spell cards, which is kind of intriguing. I like that compared to the other level three um, composures, it has two (laughs) health and two sanity, so it's not going to get randomly pinged out of existence by a stray damage or a stray horror, which Mm -hmm. um, some of the other level threes can. The... The soak on this, I think, is really good. Yeah. I think that even if a bunch of these lines didn't exist, having a zero-cost fast asset in Mystic that just soaked two health and two sanity, that already appeals to me. Yeah, Mm. yeah. Mm -hmm. And then there's other stuff on here that's also really good. So I like this card. It's doing a lot, isn't it? Weirdly that the the extra health is like a double-edged sword, right? Because you have to now think about... There was always the issue with composure cards that you could put down Pete and then just ignore the fact that it it had to be assigned damage first because it could all go on that one card. Yeah. Um, You could even build a deck with like lots of a particular type of soak if you're really worried about losing your composure. Um, Mm -hmm. But actually here, you've, you've got to cover both bases. So it feels like it's easier for it to to be well it's easier for you to lose your composure yeah but like brian says i think there's an awful lot to like on this card so the fact that you could just slap it down right away and be getting you could put it down during a skill test on a spell card and be better at that skill test yeah that's mm-hmm. that's great i think <laughs> yeah. and you know your all of your you're spending xp on all of your your spell assets your your shrivelings and whatever uh, to bump up to give you like a static boost this does that for all of the cards for only spending the xp on one card if you, see, if you yeah. see what i'm trying to say yeah and all of your events as well your spectral raises your read the signs are all bu- buffed as well yeah yeah i like that too i remember grounded grounded was the least popular of the composures from carcosa right i think mm-hmm. it's fair to say that's how i felt because it was probably the most limited mm-hmm because it was only spells, but as we've had more and more spells come out, there's just more and more opportunity to use this. So yeah, I think it's pretty funky. Is um, thingy a spell? Is um, close to circle a spell? It is a ritual and a synergy. Not a spell. Because I was thinking about Mind's Eye, but then that's also that's a ritual, I think. Mm. Because you're still... You're, both of them are sort of allowing you to do basic actions with willpower rather than 
casting spells. Yes, yeah, I get that. Um, yeah. But it means grabbing it doesn't work. Yeah, which is what Alas. I'm getting at. Alas, <laughs> it's nice. Yes. <gasps> Am I reading true magic? Yeah. Typo this... alert. They've put a K. <laughs> Frank always arranges these so he gets all the, the best cards. That wasn't actually planned, but I am really sure, delighted. Sure, it wasn't planned. I'm nearly as happy that Brian got healing words. <laughs> Sorry, Brian. So yeah, this is True Magic reworking reality. This, Peter, we need to add to our selection of art of books. Yes. One of our... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, another one. Guess the book. Yeah. Uh, so this is a four-cost asset, five XP, double willpower and a wild icon, Item, relic, and tome traded. Takes up a hand slot and an arcane slot. Uses one charge. Replenish this charge at the start of each round. You may resolve abilities on spell assets in your hand by revealing them from your hand. Treat true magic as if it were the revealed asset to pay its costs, spend charges, perform its effect, etc. Seems pretty good, right? Yeah. Yeah, this bonkers. This card is really good, but it is also combo dependent because it doesn't do anything out by itself. So yes. <laughs> you need to have other cards in your hand that are good for true magic to work off of. Mm. It just love the idea that you've you've posited there, Brian, of the spellcaster in your party being like, aha, I now have true magic. And everyone's like, well, what are you going to do with it? Well, nothing yet. But <laughs> yeah. So I think that if you are able to also fish for certain cards to get them into your hand, if you're able to draw a lot of cards to have your hand have assets that you want it to um, be triggering, then I think true magic becomes a lot better. For example, I wouldn't really think about getting True Magic as your first experience purchase because you're basically going to be copying level zero spell assets and you may as well just mm. play them because this is cost this costs more resource wise <laughs> than a bunch of them and it also yeah. uh, takes up an extra slot because it's a hand and an arcane slot. So I wouldn't really be running True Magic unless I had other stuff that was already good in the deck for it to copy. It, yeah. is, a, it is a regenerating charge, which I really like. Mm -hmm. So you can almost see a situation where, say, you play like one Shriveling and then you play this. And then the other spell assets you've put in your deck can just be like, you can pull them out as needed with True Magic. Mm -hmm. It's a kind of toolbox at that point, right? If you have in your hand a couple of different clue acquiring spells you know right of seeking and a sixth sense say you can pick and choose which one you need for the situation you're in yeah, like oh exactly. i want to investigate first so i don't want to use the right of seeking and end my turn the the downside is that replenishable charge as well particularly for combat if you draw a four health enemy and you've got shriveling in hand and you want to use true magic to hit it twice unless you've got a way of already adding more charges to this you spend your true magic charge to shrivel and do two damage and then you're like oh um yeah <laughs> so yeah. for me it's really leading me towards this sort of toolbox mystic who can do everything but it's maybe not doing anything super focusedly like a whole turn fighting or a whole turn getting clues they're they're like the third player in the group and they're kind of turning their hand to everything yeah 
I agree with your point on shriveling. And I think that even if you had tree magic out, there are still going to be times where you would just rather have the asset be in play versus having tree magic copy it in your hand. And that's a really good example of like the four health enemy when you have shriveling. Yeah, I mean, it. yeah, true magic will, of course, reward anything that adds charges as well, because it gives you one card to focus all your charges onto. I did see some people talking recently about if it has more than one charge on it, like say Akachi's played it. Can you spend does the it, recurring charge? Yeah, is it or the replenishable charge that gets spent first? Yeah, or is it? does it replenish up from zero? So if you spend however many charges you put on it, yeah, it doesn't seem like the um, the intent. Yeah, yeah. The other thing I'd add, I thought this with the Astronomical Atlas as well. Obviously, Norman is our mystic, or our, our high XP mystic taker. And of course, he can, because he's also got access to Seeker Level Zero, he does have things that play with tomes. So potentially, he has ways of fetching this quickly. And Brian, you mentioned uh, having enough draw to fill your hand. And of course, mm-hmm. Seeker Access gives him some of that. So I think that's worth bearing in mind, I guess. that Yeah. Yeah, maybe Norman finds it quickly and then fills his hand with all his other spell assets. Another another shout out is True Magic with Eldritch Sophist. And then you just continually funnel the charge that re- replenishes from True Magic onto something else. Yeah, I was thinking about mm. that, actually. Could, could you do that? <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. I couldn't think of a card that let you spend a charge every turn. Yeah, for some some good effect. Like if I had true magic and seal of the seventh sign, I could just continuously move the charges off true magic onto seal of the seventh <laughs> sign and just seal the auto fail forever. Never auto fail. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's pretty nice. That's pretty good. Very yeah. expensive, but very funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So here ends the Mystic XP cards of Edge of the Earth Investigator expansion for players. Done, but <laughs> yes. I can't ever remember the name of it. I'm really sorry. Uh, such a professional. But we, Brian, we're going to throw some um, multi-class cards at you oh, as well. Shocking. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and you're going to read the first one. Okay. <laughs> the first one is Nikosi Mabati, Enigmatic Warlock, Guardian and Mystic Multiclass. An ally mm. asset, subtype ally and sorcerer. Uh, four resource cost, three XP, two will icons, two health, two sanity, and he has two abilities. The first one is a reaction ability after Nikosi Mabati enters play. Name a non-elder sign chaos token with a symbol. Until this card leaves play, the named symbol is your sigil. And a, another reaction ability when an investigator at your location reveals a cultist, tablet, or elder thing symbol, exhaust Nikosi Mabati, search the chaos bag for your sigil and reveal it instead, returning the other token to the chaos bag. Nice. He's the chap from Defiance, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the best cards in the game. Is that stunned you Peter, you've, you've, you've played with this card, haven't you? <laughs> well, I've played in a party with this card with, with I guess, the most obvious synergy, which is in Jim. So I, I don't know what a word for this effect is, but I remember when I was first playing Min, I was constantly having to reread it because it, it feels like, or I had in my head it's something slightly different from what it does. Hmm. 
And for some reason, the same applied to Nicosia as well. Um, I kept on thinking he was doing something different than what he was actually doing. What he's doing is, when you draw one of the the three non-skull special symbols, you can treat it as <laughs> another <laughs> token with a symbol <laughs> that isn't mm-hmm. the Elder Sign. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so it was confusing to get my head around, but obviously that makes it perfect for Jim. Because what Jim can do is, once a turn, treat... A, a cultist, a tablet, or an elder thing as a skull instead, including for himself. Yeah. So if he draws something else, he can treat it as a, sc- a skull, and that makes it a zero for him, uh, or it can trigger his trumpet or trigger his trumpet as well. So obviously that's useful for Jim. It's useful, I guess, for helping pass tests as well, because you're able to like mm-hmm. juggle the exact values. You could make it so that if you're playing Depths of Yoth, your which um, which you know the skull that's an example the skull typically gets worse and every scenario where you go deeper depth of yoth great example that skull can be really bad by the end of it nikosi can turn that into like not a failure quite reliably he can't because you can only turn cultists tablets oh yeah elder things this is what i mean i always get this card slightly wrong And as you said that, I was thinking about it, and it's like, he, this card only interacts with cultists, tablets, and elder things in terms of what it changes. But yes. it can change it into skulls, auto-fails, blesses, yes. or curses, or It frost. could also change it into cultists. So, like, let's say that you have a scenario where the cultist is, like, maybe just a minus one or a minus two... Yeah, you could still pick cultist if if the skull is going to continually scale up. Yeah, but then you can't replace the skull anyway. Yeah, yeah, you can't do that. But if you had in Forgotten Age, sometimes the elder thing is, if you have a certain amount of vengeance, it's an auto fail. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or you Mm -hmm. get poisoned. You could change yeah that into a cult uh, a cultist, so that that's sort of quite scary. Oh wow, there are two autofells in the bag now. It shuts that down. Yeah. I think that the bless energy is really interesting because mm-hmm. especially on the guardian side because he does have the guardian um faction as well that uh, there are certain cards that will trigger if you reveal a bless token. So for example, something like bless blade, if you mm-hmm. have this out, then you can force blessed much more easily or or curse Mm -hmm. actually which is nice on the mystic Mm -hmm. side yeah he almost just came a cycle too late i mean we can still use him with those cards same i'd say with um ward of radiance if you fish out five tokens and you don't see a bless or an elder sign but you've named your your sigil as bless and you have seen a cultist tablet or or, uh, elder thing you can still Mm -hmm. Still water radiance because it doesn't care about a skill test, does it? Yeah, that to me is where I get excited. I think with those two, that, like we need to just rewind the clock to Innsmouth and all of the conversations that we were having about how bless and curse can really live and die on like actually seeing the tokens, and this is just another way of doing that. And Nkozi helps like any investigator. So yeah, the guardian could take this, but then you've got a mystic who's doing curse-related stuff, and, and Cozy could help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pretty cool. If you have somebody in your party who has Ancient Covenant, and then the Sigil is the Blast, then you have way more opportunities to trigger it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. it gives yeah even more sort of value in you might not have completely flooded the bag with bless but you just you you've already got actually sort of pseudo bless in the bag yeah. based on however many of those three tokens you have yeah i will I like say it. though that for the bless sigil to work there has to actually be a bless token in the bag because you have to physically pull it out yeah yeah there has yeah. to be one right yeah there has to be at least one he does of course also combo with both defiance and uh, recall the future so anything where you're naming tokens and i guess also you can do a bit of play around with um crystal pendulum as well mm. so i mean we, we, we played a game frank where i was using jacqueline and using recall the future and all that kind of nonsense that was our cursed game and it feels like yeah. he would fit yeah. into that deck right uh because you're really able to like you know it gives you more options with what to do um in terms of the the chaos tokens you draw yeah. So, like, if you if if you're piling a lot of stuff, like double recall the future on on skulls or something like that, and you draw three tokens, you're far more likely to get a skull if you've got Nkosi as well. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm you don't thinking. seem convinced. No, I am convinced. Uh, yeah, it's like I'm just. I don't know. If there's an easy way of saying it turns cultist tablet and elder thing into whatever you need it to be. <laughs> like, it just gives you more more probability to hit the thing you want, right? Yeah, yeah. Which I'm just saying what you were saying. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Well, nice to have some backup for once. <laughs> Shall we move on? Let's move on, yes. We have got Ethereal Slip. This is a 1 cost 2 XP event. It has a uh, willpower and 2 agility icons, and it has the spell and trick traits. Choose a non-elite enemy at any revealed location. Swap places with that enemy. Now, for my next trick. Now, Brian and I talked about this before we began recording, as Peter was getting ready. And this is one of the cards we said, Oh, we don't have too much to say about this card, I don't think. And then we proceeded to talk for um, (laughs) ten minutes about all the things we could think of this card. Yeah. My biggest issue with this card is that there is a level zero version of it that very nearly does most of what the XP version does. And so upgrading it feels uh, a bit like a luxury to me. The upgrade also feels more campaign or scenario dependent, just because the the level zero one already lets you go up to two locations away, and that's actually quite far. And a lot mm-hmm. of maps, you're not really spawning enemies more than two locations away anyway. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So we then were sort of scratching our heads trying to think of scenarios where you'd either have vast distances to cover. So like in, say, um, event scenarios that have big maps or maybe maps where the, the connections are very odd because this doesn't actually care about connections. So you could do some quite cheeky things like like in Carnival, you could swap with the enemy behind you that's eight spaces away from you because of the connections. But yeah, I, I think I agree. Luxury is a good way of summing it up. I like this in Lost in Time and Space as well because it's very mm. easy for one person to get sent back to the starting location and then it's like, haha, no, I'm not. Because there's a lot of enemies in that scenario as well. So Yeah. Yeah, you can end up with an enemy on a kind of disconnected bit of map. 
mm-hmm. and you don't want to build a connection so that it can hunt to you, but instead you just swap there and then you start building out the map from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of a, a weird theme on this one as well. Like the flavor text and the traits make it seem like he's doing a trick, but he's just using magic. Like, is it impressive pulling a rabbit out of a hat if you're just like creating a rabbit with magic and then putting it out of a hat? Do you see what I'm trying to say? Yeah. It's not a trick, it's just magic. It's not really a trick. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and now for my next trick, I'm going to do some other magic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you crack on me. Yeah, I get yeah. it. I have played with the level zero version. I've had a lot of fun with that in Jack, in Monterey Jack, because it once you use it to move up to two locations with an enemy, your ability is like kicked in, which is really nice. But Jack can't take this version. I wonder if, yeah, most people who can take level zero mystic or rogue stay there. You know, like does this, in fact, yeah, even Norman could take the level zero if he really wanted to. So, yeah. Rita can also take this, which I think is neat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's an... I think, like, you've sort of alluded to, both of you, it's it's a nice effect, but it's not necessarily a great upgrade from level zero. Yeah. yeah. You've, talk, you've talked me around to that point of view. <laughs> yeah. Well, and if you're a listener who thinks of a really good uh, ethereal snip situation where you need three moves, let us know. Could be good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Hey, I thought of one. Dunwich, the train. Draw a cultist and spawn it at the engine room. And then ethereal slip level two. Does that work? Oh, no, it won't be revealed. It won't be revealed. It doesn't work. It won't be revealed. This is what I thought about straight away, because I remember years ago, I think it was BD Flory, actually, shared a picture where he was playing as Zoe and had drawn first turn, Smite the Wicked, and then the... um, Wizard of the Order. Wizard of the Order. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> appeared on the engine car. <laughs> it's like, well, I might as well just just pack up now and go home. That's going to be a fun game. Yeah. But yeah, no, it doesn't work. Well, there we go. The next card is Cyclopean Hammer. This is a Guardian and Mystic level 5 card. 5 cost. Has double willpower, double combat icons. Item, relic, weapon, and melee. Action fight. Add your willpower to your skill value for this attack. You deal plus 1 damage for this attack. If you succeed and the enemy is non-elite, you may move it one location away from you. If you succeed by three or more, you instead deal plus two damage and may move the enemy up to two locations away from you. Takes up two hands. And then you can swap places with it using Ethereal Slip. (laughs) You swap back, yeah. If if you've boshed it to a revealed location. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So I am playing a Mateo deck with Cyclopean Hammer right now where I bought it with my starting experience. I think that this weapon is probably one of the top weapons in the game. It's basically a damage printer. That's like all it does is print damage. (laughs) It, It has no charges. It has no exhaust effect. You can just always use it over and over again. I, When I was playing with it in Doom of Esli, for like the first five, six rounds, about 80% of my actions were just fighting over and over and over again. And I passed almost mm-hmm. every single test. Regarding the, the movement effect on this, situationally, it is 
a useful effect. Most of the time, the enemy is just dead. So <laughs> the enemy is either dead or about <laughs> to be dead, in which case you don't want to move them because you want to hit them with the hammer again. Yeah. There was one yeah. interesting point where I had a teammate who had an enemy on them and I succeeded and I knocked the enemy away and that enemy had like five health. So I wasn't going to kill them yeah. in one action, but I was able to move them off, which mm. was very helpful. Yeah, that move ability, just it almost adds an evade into the attack. Mm-hmm. So I would compare whether it it's evade. a big enemy on you. Yeah, that like, okay, I don't actually want to spend two actions killing this enemy, so I'm just going to hit it once and get it off me and it's not going to hint, uh, hunt. Or exactly as you described, like clearing enemies off other people um, where you maybe don't want to swing multiple times while the enemy is engaged with them. So you just whack it once and the enemy moves away and they're free. Yeah, I love it. Mm. It's really cool. So my um, hammer experience is I built a hammer Zoe to play the blob that ate everything. It's um, quite a short, sad story. Turn one, I played the hammer. Turn two, I did avoid a treachery that would have made me discard the hammer. And then turn three, reality acid devoured one of my hands. So I only had one (laughs) hand for the rest of the blob. And all of my weapons in my deck were two-handed weapons. I didn't have bandolier. Oh, no. So it was a... It took me to a dark place, I I won't (laughs) lie. The amazing thing was that we also had an Akachi and we also had Bob. And so we devised a plan for me to draw the second copy of Hammer and then for Bob to pay for the Hammer out of my hand and play it in front of Akachi with shrewd dealings. So we ended up with Akachi running it. So we did in one scenario get to see a Mystic wield the Hammer and a Guardian wield the Hammer which was really cool and actually really nice. You know, obviously for Zoe, she's got four combat and she gets plus four boost because she adds her willpower. And then Akachi's only got three combat, but gets an amazing plus five from her willpower. So we were swinging at eight, each of us. I mean, I didn't swing the hammer because I had my hand chewed off. But uh, yeah, super cool to see it in action. It was very good. And most of the time that, that Akachi smashed little bits of blob, we would just jokingly say, oh, you can move that as well, but it's already dead. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Are we finished on Cyclopean Hammer, or do we want to... Yeah, it's just very good. Yes. Yeah, and I agree. There's not a whole <laughs> lot more to say than it's just a really good card. Build decks around it, it's great. Last we have... Enchanted Bow, a Mystic and Survivor card. It is an asset with two hand slots and an arcane slot, so three slots. And the traits are spell, blessed, weapon, and ranged. It is three resources and two XP with a willpower and an agility icon. And it has uses three charges. For an action, exhaust enchanted bow. Fight. You must use either willpower or agility instead of combat and get plus one skill value for this attack. This attack deals plus one damage. As an additional cost to initiate this ability, you may spend one charge to have this attack target a non-elite enemy at a connecting location. If you do, ignore the aloof and retaliate keywords for this attack. Hmm. Wow. That is a lot of text. Mm-hmm. So, I like this card one of the things that i actually like about this card is that it lets you fight with agility which Mm -hmm. 
is situationally useful for some mystics. The main person I'm thinking of for this is Agnes. And uh, the reason is because you can stack agility on Agnes quite easily if you use Peter Sylvester. And then from there, you just need like a couple other agility things. And then you can actually use your agility like a normal person. (laughs) I like being able to choose between two skills so you're not forced into will. Um, Just because there are some times where you might have more icons of one type. Or if you're playing multiplayer, the rest of the table might have different icons. So you can kind of uh, adjust the test for what's better for for you or for the table. But to me, the best part about this weapon is that it is similar to um, the hammer. And that you don't have to use charges to fight necessarily and so you can keep using it over and over again it's not going to conk out Mm -hmm. you only spend the charges if you're attacking at range yeah yeah that's nice Mm -hmm. so yeah you're always you've got this once a turn two damage hit yeah just for the rest of the game Mm -hmm. and then the charges are if you want to do something a little bit tricksy and and you know shoot someone in a different location like shoot that cultist without going to it or shoot a hunter enemy that's pursuing you, something like that, you get those options. Yeah. I think the other thing that really jumps out to me about this is that it's 2 XP, and most of what we've looked at has been 3 XP or higher. And 2 XP does open this up to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got all of your, like, mystic 0 to 2 people who might be interested in it, and also all of your survivor 0 to 2 people. So it does give this a lot of, like, a very wide application that there are all sorts of people who could could be interested in it, I suppose. The the three slots is a big ask to me because, yeah. yeah, it is a lot of slots. Yeah, and I feel like maybe some of what's baked into this, like the option between willpower or agility, your point, Brian, about maybe it would you'd care about icons, I think is a good one. But also most people are deciding what they're using. They're not putting in a card where they sort of will choose in the moment so i wonder if that also slightly goes against this card that i'd rather just know okay i'm rita i'm going to use agility every day or you know whatever it is yeah it almost it's almost like it's trying to cater to both classes to the mystic and the survivor side which sort of means that you get all this extra text i guess what do you make of it peter i think it's yeah it it's good i would tend to think of it in for some reason I think someone with a high agility and yet not much combat mm. like say Wendy is the is the one I'd be instantly jumping to. I think comparing it to Ornate Bow is is where I would go and it's a not like like Brian said, not needing the charges, just getting the plus one damage on something you don't need to reload at that point, I think is really good. It's really nice to have that additional option for a agility replacement weapon um, over on a bow. Mm. That, that, that's where my head is, basically. I think this could be interesting in Pete. The reason being that you can discard a card to ready the bow and then just use that's it again. That's quite nice as well. Yeah, yeah, I like that. And if the bow is exhausted, you still have Duke to fight with. So yeah. you could be... Um, doing reasonably six damage in one round if you did like bow plus bow plus duke 
Yeah, any combination of that. Duke plus Duke plus bow as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty nice. Yeah, I like that. I like both of those options. I think the comparison with ornate bow is spot on because that ornate bow, pretty much all the numbers are better than this. You know, It does more damage. It gives you more of a boost, but it is slow. You need all the spare actions to keep reloading it. Whereas with this, this is almost the inverse. It's a sort of slow and steady two damage that's actually not going to tax you many more actions after you play it. It's just going to give you that two damage once a turn. So yeah. Well, that brings us to the end of the cards that we have randomly decided to look at with Brian. Oh. Brian, what's the standout of this little selection for you? What what card is getting you excited? Honestly, I still think Cyclopean Hammer is just absurdly good. Mm-hmm. Almost almost trivializingly good. So I, I I enjoy I enjoy that. I think that I have a few enchanted bow decks that I want to build really badly because I think they're gonna be fun. So I guess those last two. Cards when you said really badly, you meant like you. Really oh, I want I want to, to build. Not, you them want to build a lot. Really bad. They decks. will be good yeah. decks. <laughs> they are decks that I will build well. That I want to build badly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you're digging yourself out of that hole, but I like it. Yeah, yeah I think the bow gets you thinking, doesn't it? And that's for me always what what I enjoy about cards is. Yeah, to get little uh, imagination popping and that kind of mm-hmm. thing. So yeah, that brings us to the end of our first oh, second I look. I was just getting ready for you to ask me that, Frank. Oh, Oof. sorry. Yeah, Peter. <laughs> sorry. Peter, how about you? What card are you excited about? Oh, well, oh, you didn't have to ask me. Uh, but now you've asked. <laughs> um, just to be different to Brian, because I, I love the look of Cyclopean Hammer as well, and I'd love to, to, to get my, my paws on that. Uh, I think Astronomical Atlas I'd really like to, to give a go to. I think, weirdly enough, that and Close the Circle sort of want to just give them both a go. And I think I could make another um, spell event deck that that uses both those cards to good effect. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's what I go for. Not necessarily the two standout cards, certainly not Close the Circle. But Astronomical Atlas, I think, is potentially uh, really good fun to use. And I can't wait to give it a go. Yeah, the like the buff it gives to Norman to manipulate what's on top of his deck is really nice. Yes. And it's anyway just I think a cool effect. Yeah, and I think it's nice yeah. outside Norman as well. I don't necessarily think you're limited to Norman. How about you, Frank? What's what's tick- what's piquing your interest? I think maybe true magic. Oh yeah. Just because I think it is quite weird and I think it looks like on the face of it a really powerful card, but as Brian as you said, like you actually need quite a it's a combo card. You need a lot of other pieces behind the scenes in your hand to really get the full value out of it. So I'm kind of intrigued to see if I can make that work. I think that could be really fun. Combo cards are always really fun, but yeah, Arkham loves disrupting combos. So there's also that. <laughs> yeah, thank you for the reminder. Yeah, it really does. <laughs> Brian, how can people get in touch with you if they want to follow the stuff you do or find out okay. more about your novel and mm-hmm. things like that? So I'm I'm very active on any of the of the Facebook groups. So if you ever see me on there and you're on one of the Facebook groups, you can message me. But I have an Instagram account for my more um, quote unquote professional stuff, which is BD Sandberg. Mm-hmm. That's um, 
Sandberg with an E. So that's where I am. Great. You can get in touch with us as well. We're drawn to the flame podcast at gmail.com and we're drawn to the flame on most social media. Brian, thank you so much for joining us for this thank second book. And listener, thank you for listening. Thank you. Insert spin sound here. <laughs> <laughs> this is for the bloopers. Insert opening music. Just <laughs> a little so, pause. So it's like 10 seconds long. Dun, dun, dun. I know, we should be pros. Is it, I mean, Brian's seeing behind the curtain here. It's incredible we don't rehearse this stuff beforehand, isn't it? This is really <laughs> entertaining to me. <laughs>